Well, good morning, church. Open your Bibles to John chapter 18. We are going to be looking at the second phase of Christ's trial. We know that seen over the last couple of weeks, we have seen him, uh, he's been arrested, he's been brought before Annas and, and Caiaphas. We've seen, uh, as of last week, we saw Peter's denial. And what we're seeing is Christ really setting his, his heart and his, his mind to go and to suffer on a, on a cross for our sins. And I want to remind us as we as we look at this passage today, as we look at the second phase of, of his trial, I want us to remember what John writes in, in John chapter 20, verse 31, because I think it's important that we can kind of get lost in the midst of a text and forget why it's here. And, and John writes this, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name that you may have life in his name. And we see in, in our passage today that, that, as I said, Jesus has been led from the house of Caiaphas, and now he is bringing, brought to, brought to the, the Roman governor's headquarters where we, he would be tried under Pontius Pilate. Pilate is probably there in Jerusalem for the Passover, and because he is there, the Jewish authorities bring him to, to this, this person, this Roman authority. And that is important because Pilate is not trying Jesus from, for some religious reason. No, he's trying him for political, or they're, they're bringing him to Pilate to, to try him for political reasons at this point. They're saying that, that Jesus is doing something illegal according to the laws that are in place by the Romans. And so the Jewish authorities bring Jesus to Pilate because he is the governor and he has the power to condemn someone to death. And I think that that is where this situation lies. The, the, Rome, the Jewish authorities want to bring Jesus to Pilate so that Pilate would put Jesus to death. And we notice in in verse 28, that the Jews are, are unwilling to enter into what, what is known as the praetorium or, or the, the Roman headquarters. They're unwilling to enter in because they did not want to be defiled. Look at verse 28. It says this, it says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. I mean, what hypocrisy. This is irrational. It's hypocritical. And, and you, this is just amazing hypocrisy. They, they don't want to be defiled. And yet, they are about to kill the Son of God. D.A. Carson, in his commentary, says this. He says, the Jews take elaborate precautions to avoid ritual contamination, in order to eat the Passover. At the very same time, they are busy manipulating the judicial system to secure the death of him who alone is the true Passover. They want to eat the Passover. They, they want to be ritually, ritually clean. They don't want to get their, if I can say this, they don't want to get their hands dirty Yet it's by their hands that they're wanting to put to death the Son of God. 
hypocrisy. It's often said that sin is irrational. So they bring him to the governor's headquarters. They're unwilling to go in, and uh, Jesus is, is led inside, and he, he's in this small room where there was probably a, f- a few people. There's Pilate, there's Jesus. Pilate is questioning him. There's this huge crowd outside a couple weeks ago. Kevin mentioned how, how large this crowd might be, that he was arrested by his, this huge crowd. They, they brought him to Annas. They brought him to Caiaphas. Now they bring him to Pilate, and this crowd is outside, and he, after he's led there, and what happens is that Pilate, you see Pilate going back and forth in our passage. He, he, he speaks to Jesus, and, and he, he goes out to the, to the crowd. And, it, and it's important for us to know that Jesus is being accused of, of certain things that just aren't true. Number one, Jesus is, is being accused of being a threat to the, to the Roman political system. When you read the other Gospels along with this, we see that Jesus claims to be the king. And they're, what they're doing is they're coming to Pilate and they're saying, he's a threat to you, he's a threat to Caesar, and you need to take care of this. This man may overthrow you. This man may take your place. This man is dangerous. This is so irrational that later on in chapter 19, these, these Jewish leaders will, will declare this, they'll say this, we have no king but Caesar. I mean, how irrational is that? These Jewish leaders who, who hated the Romans, they're pledging their alliance to Caesar. Well, that's something that they wouldn't do in, unless they wanted to condemn Jesus. You know, this man is, is claiming to be king, and we have to have no king except this political king. So, so this man is, is a threat to your throne. Deal with him. And we know at this point in history, it simply isn't true. No, it's not Jesus' intent at this point to, to take over the throne from Caesar. We know that we hope and pray and, and look forward to the coming of Christ where he will set up his kingdom on earth. But at this point in history, this is not his intent. No, the other charge that is Jesus is an insurrectionist, that he's, he's gonna, his followers are go, going to, to go crazy, that he's going to stir up a riot. So you need to deal with this man because he's a threat to, to peace and security. Pilate was charged with keeping the peace, and so they come to him. They say, this man is a threat to you. So they come to Pilate to say, this man is this threat, and it's, it, it's so irrational. And, and I know in our culture today, we see so many things like that, don't we? People are so irrational. We, you know, one of the biggest issues that we see in our culture today is, is, is the pro-life issue. You know, recently we... we we went, uh, as a church, many of us signed up to, to take part in the Walk for Life, at, and it's in support of, of pregnancy crisis centers, more particularly the pregnancy crisis center here in, in Torrance. And, and we're out there, and we, and we, were, we were thinking, what kind of feedback or what, what kind of uh, accusations or what kind of attacks were, are we going to incur as we're on this walk? And, and by God's grace, there, there weren't many. Maybe some questions, maybe some comments, but predominantly many of them are good. But, but in the news just over the last few weeks, many of these pregnancy crisis centers are being attacked, they're being vandalized, they're being destroyed. There's graffiti saying, if you're a, a threat to, the, to our position, then we're going to be a threat to you. 
And it's irrational because what we call, we, we call one side pro-life, the other, what, pro-choice. But they don't want people to have a choice. See, pro-life centers are there to, to have, to, for people to have a choice, not to kill their unborn children. But they don't want them to have a choice. It's pro-life, but these people are, are truly pro-death. And it's irrational. No, so you have these two, these two threats that, are, that Jesus is being accused of. He, it's, he's, he's an attack on, on your political system, or he's, he's, an, ac, he's a, an attack on peace and security. And none of these are true. None of these are true, but it, it's what they are accusing him of. And, and there's this back and forth, and there's questions and answers, and that's what really drives this narrative as, as we look at, at Jesus' second part of his trial. So let's read our passage this morning, and then we're going to look at four points. Again, our passage is John chapter 18, verse 28 through 40. Verse 28 reads, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to them, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and, and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover, so do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we thank you for this text that we're about to look at. Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring to, to mind those things that uh, would bring you glory and honor. Lord, we thank you again for your son and his willingness, even though he was a, the innocent son of God, was willing to go and suffer on a cross for our sins. 
Lord, I pray for us as a people, as we, as we listen and hear these words, I pray that we would just keep in mind that, Lord, you did this all for us, that you did this for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In our culture today, in our entertainment, one of the, the most popular genres, if I can say, is the true crime genre. You know, people like uh, to watch trials. They like to see forensic things. They, they like to see how, how prosecutors and defendants are, uh, face trial. Uh, we have things like court TV. One of the most popular things in the news today is the trial of ooh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. People are watching this, and, and uh, we are often fascinated by trials. When I can remember years ago during the, the O.J. Simpson trial, I can remember where I was. And if you were old enough, you can probably remember where you were when the trial, when the verdict was read. I can remember when the, the verdict was read. And recently, you know, I watched a documentary on the, tri- the, the three trials of O.J. Simpson, the murder, the murder trial, the, the, the civil trial, and then his, his last trial, the trial and conviction on robbery charges. And it was just fascinating how these things all tied together and, and, and they brought about these charges. But what you see in, 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 a, in a typical trial and is this where, where there are questions and there's, there's answers. And, and we, we see depositions where they're brought in and they're, and, and, and they're filming these depositions. We have a deposition that we're looking at today. We're seeing things played out in this, in this trial, and, and, and what prosecutors and, and, and defense attorneys are, are trying to do, they're, they're trying to find inconsistencies. They're, they're trying to break down the witnesses. They're, they're trying to expose lies, and they're trying to discover motives. And as we look at this trial, which really begins in verse 29, we see many of those those same features. We see questions and answers and conclusions. And, and based on those questions and answers, I, 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 I've wrote down four points that really drive this trial. There, there's this invalid accusation. There's an improper assumption. There's an illogical rejection. And there's an incredible conclusion. So let's go and look at our, our first point, an invalid accusation. And what I mean by that is the crowd this crowd that has brought Jesus has no charge against him. They have no charge against Jesus. And we see that in verses 29 through 32. Note the question and the answer that is taking place in these verses. And see the the inconsistencies. Down in verse 29, Pilate says this. He says, So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? What... Basically, what has Jesus done? What are you accusing him of? It is a a specific question, but but notice how how the Jews answer in verse 30. It says, they answer him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over. The Jews just answered Pilate by what? Asking him, or basically asking him a question. They're answering him back with another question. He says, what are you accusing him of? And they say, would we, would we have brought him here if we didn't have an accusation? But what it really shows is they, 
They don't have a, a strong accusation. They just expect Pilate to take them at their word. Look, he's obviously done something bad or we wouldn't have brought him to you. No, he asked for an accusation and they, they accuse him of, of questioning their, their integrity. Are you, are you insulting us like we would bring a man to you to be executed who hadn't, who hadn't done a crime? Which, is, of course, is exactly what they've done. This man had done no crime. This man had committed no sin. And yet, we want you, we want you to crucify him. No, they, they didn't answer. There was, there was no accusation. They were questioning Pilate by accusing Pilate of questioning them. This spotless, sinless, per perfect Son of God had done nothing wrong ever. What they are doing is avoiding the question because they don't have an answer. So they don't really give an answer to Pilate. So he, and he's asking them, and in that response, what, what they say, in that response, it really reveals something really important, which is if they don't have a, a valid charge against him, they want Pilate to, to just simply take it at their word. They don't have any evidence that Jesus did this or, or this or this. And as for Pilate, as Pilate is, uh, for what Pilate is concerned about is not about a religious accusation. He, he's more concerned about a, a political accusation. You know, they, if they would have come and accused Jesus of blasphemy, because we know that Jesus had claimed to be the Son of God, you know, Pilate wouldn't even be concerned about that. But if, if they would have brought this charge, we know that uh, according to the Levitical law, that was what? Punishable by death, but not, not death by being hung on a cross. It was death by stoning. And so Pilate isn't concerned about that. You know, Pilate wouldn't care if he, he claimed to be the Son of God, but what Pilate would care about is if, if Jesus claimed to be a king. And so they don't really have any concrete evidence to bring against him. And so they say, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And so what they're doing is they're vaguely they vaguely refer to Jesus as somebody who, who does evil. They're saying Jesus is a, is a criminal, he's an evildoer, which is such an amazing statement the, that the, the only one who never did anything wrong is on trial for being a wrongdoer. The only one who is completely unstained by evil is on trial for doing evil, and it's wrong. But this is a trial of the king. It's a trial of the king, but there are inconsistencies in this whole thing. Jesus is labeled the criminal as an, as an evildoer, and Pilate recognizes their invalid accusation. He recognizes this. He, he recognizes that they don't bring a charge. In verse 31, he says, Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. But what did, what did Pilate just say to them? Go ahead, I give you permission. Look, you have a charge against him. If it's a religious charge, then you... You take him and you do what you, you want to do with him. And if Jesus 
was accused of, of blasphemy, and, and if he was guilty of that blasphemy, according to them, they could easily just take him out and stone him. We know that they did that. What? In Acts chapter 6, didn't they? With Stephen. They didn't go and ask Pilate permission. Can we, can we stone Stephen? No, they stoned Stephen. So what's the difference between Jesus and Stephen? The difference is, is the sovereignty of God is being fulfilled as Jesus has his intent to what? To go to the cross, to bear the sins of his people. No, he's... They want him to, to go to the cross, but we see this. We see God at work in this passage because they wanted Pilate to put Jesus to death so that the prophecy about Jesus' death would be fulfilled. Look at verse 32. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. See, they had the permission to go out and stone Jesus. But Jesus had prophesied that, that he was going to be lifted up. It says in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And we see the, the, the sovereignty of God actually being revealed here. These, these men are condemning Jesus as an evildoer, of which he is not. They bring him before Pilate, and they make it a political a political reason rather than a religious reason, so that he would be lifted up on a cross to die. So that he would be lifted up as the Savior of the world. So Jesus is enduring these, these false claims, knowing that it is leading to the salvation of, of his people. And remember that he's doing it for us. We don't remember that every bit of what Christ has done. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is his suffering and he's going and he's enduring these false claims for you and, and for I. And so the first point is we have this invalid accusation. But the second, point, the second point that we see in this trial is this, that we have an improper assumption. And we see this in verse 33 through 37. The Jews... They don't take Jesus away to, to crucify him or to, to stone him. No, Pilate has to deal with this. And, and there's this mob, this, this mob that wants Jesus dead. And so, so in verse 33, Pilate goes back and he, and he talks to Jesus. It says in verse 33, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And so we, we don't see this in our text, but, it, but at some point the Jews bring up the fact that Pilate, Jesus has been claiming to be a king. You need to stop him. You need to put him to death because he, he's claiming to be a king. And so Pilate goes back in and says, are you the king of the Jews? And so remember that that, for Pilate, is a, is a political concern because Pilate doesn't care about Jesus being some religious ruler, but he should care about Jesus being a, a political king. You know, he cares about a threat to the Roman political system. He, he, he cares about a threat to, to Caesar. So Pilate says, are you, are you the king of the Jews? And look how, how Jesus answers in, in this unique way. He says, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? 
Jesus is saying to, to Pilate, who, who's asking this? Who's asking? Is this something you came up with, Pilate, or did my accusers tell you this? And there, there's an assumption that if, if Jesus is a king, then there's an assumption that, that he would want to overthrow the Romans and set up his kingdom. And he knows that Pilate is concerned with, with a, the, the political agenda. The Jews have a religious agenda. And Jesus wants to expose where this accusation is coming from. Jesus knows that Pilate is in, in a difficult spot here because he knows that there's an angry mob outside and he's, he, he's supposed to keep the peace. And so Pilate asks, are you a king? And Jesus' response is, is who's asking? And Pilate, Pilate responds in verse 35, he says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus, you must, you must have done something. I'm not a Jew. This is not, this is not about me and what I'm, what I'm, what I'm concerned about. I, I'm not a Jew. Your own people are delivering you to me. What have you done? Verse 36 really shows Jesus' innocence. Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So Jesus says, I, I'm a king, but there is an improper assumption that, that if I am a king, that I wish to overthrow your government. I don't have a, a political agenda here. I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. And if it was of this world, you should be concerned. I mean, if Jesus was going to set up his kingdom right then and right now, could he have? Absolutely. And someday we will see him do that. He could have set up his kingdom right then and there, but, but his kingdom is not of this world and so, Pilate, you have an improper assumption that if I am a king, that I'm a threat to your kingdom. Basically, I am not here to, to take over the, the throne from Caesar. No, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. This is a statement of his innocence that what they are, are charging him of, he is not guilty. And Pilate believes him. Pilate doesn't think that, that Jesus is a threat. He doesn't. Does Pilate believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Absolutely not. But he, he doesn't think that Jesus is a threat. So Pilate presses more. He, he asks in verse 37, So you are a king? So you are a king? Jesus answered, You, you say that I am a king. No, Jesus is a king, but, but not of this world. And on that basis, Jesus should be let go. He should be let go. There's, there's no reason for, for Pilate to hold anything against Jesus. He is innocent at this point. There, there are no other accusations being brought against him, and he should have been let go here, but, but he's not. And we know that Jesus is still being tried, even though he is, he is, no, he is no threat to Pilate. And, and, and there's more to this. It doesn't, in a sense, it doesn't make sense. Even though Jesus is no threat to Pilate, 
even though the Jews have no charges against him, even though no, there's, there's an invalid accusation, even though there is an improper assumption, he continues to be tried. So next we see an, an illogical rejection. An illogical rejection. And what I mean by that is Pilate rejects the truth. And today we see this so often, don't we? We see an attack on truth. There is no truth. People uh, believe anything and everything regardless of what the evidence is. And it's interesting that, that Pilate is, is here as the judge to determine what? Truth. And yet he rejects the truth. Second half of verse 37, it says, You say that I am a king, and then Jesus goes on, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. You know, in our trials today, what do we, what we do? We have people, what, like, they lay their hand on the Bible, and they say, they say what? Do you swear to what? Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because that's what a trial is about, to get to the truth. And yet Jesus in this passage is saying what? I came to bear witness to the truth. That, was my, that is my life's purpose. He, he looks to Pilate and he tells him, he's, he says, I, I've come. And, and what he's telling Pilate is, is of eternal value. He's getting away from the political agenda. And Pilate, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm telling you the truth, not the truth about what they're saying. I'm telling you the truth about who I am. And what I have come for. This is why I'm alive. This is why I came to earth to tell the truth, to reveal the truth, to show the truth. And we have seen this in the, throughout the Gospel of John, ultimately, where, where Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus says to Pilate, I. I'm not here to, over, to overthrow Caesar. I'm here to bear witness to the truth. And then Jesus takes it even further in verse 37. He says this, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate, if you were of the truth, you would hear my voice. And that's a, a bold statement. I'm here to, to bear witness to the truth. And and anyone who is of the truth hears me. They believe me. My, remember, he says, my sheep hear my voice and, and they follow me. And it's, it's something that we've heard throughout the, the gospel of John. It's, it's about believing and, and following and abiding in him. We read back in John chapter 8. just want to read a couple of verses, verse 43 and 47. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in this in this passage, and, and Jesus asks a question to the Pharisees in, in verse, verse 43 of John 8. He says, why, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It wasn't that they couldn't hear him audibly. No, it was... But what he was saying, they didn't understand. They, it, it didn't penetrate their hearts. They couldn't comprehend what Jesus was saying. 
And he goes on in verse 47 of John chapter 8, and he says, Whoever is of God hears the, wor the words of God's. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Brothers and sisters, friends, when, when Christ comes into your life, he opens up the truth of his word and who he is, that we understand what he's saying. You know, when I was a young believer, I was at my place of employment. I was there. I was reading my Bible in the break room, and, and I was reading, and I had a coworker who was not a believer, and he came up, and he said, you know, asked me a question, what are you, what are you reading? So I was reading the Bible. I don't remember what text I was reading, but, but I was reading the Bible, and so I decided, I, you know, this is my opportunity to, 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 to share the gospel with him. So I, so I read a passage to him, and after I read the passage to him, he says, I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, you don't understand that at all. And so, so I took him to, to, John, to John chapter 12. And I read part of John chapter 12, and I read this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was to, to die, and I read that to him, and, and I continued reading, and then later on in John 12, I read, when Jesus had said these things, he, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what, what he heard from us, and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, therefore, they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So I read that to my coworker. He says, I, I don't understand that either. Why couldn't he understand? Because his heart was hardened. His, his eyes were blinded. And my prayer for him was that God would open up his heart. heart. And, and if you're not a believer, if you're not a believer, my, my prayer is that God would open up your heart to, to understand the truth of his word, to understand who Jesus is, that he is the truth. You know, nobody understands the gospel until God opens their, their eyes and their ears and their heart to receive it. And that is what, what John is saying here. You, get, you only get my message if, if, if you are of the truth. And we've, we see that, in, as Jesus said in, in John 8 and John 12, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, if God opens your eyes, you do believe. And, and Pilate answers with, with a statement more than a question. Jesus says, I am the truth. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? Pilate's not asking Jesus, explain this to me. Pilate is declaring, I, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything to me. What is truth? He's basically blowing off Jesus. 
He's blowing off Jesus. The pilot said to him, what is truth? And you, you know that, that he's rejecting what Jesus has said. And you see it because look what it says in verse 38. He says this. And verse 38 says, after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them. He doesn't ask Jesus and then say, no, Jesus, explain this to me. No, what is truth? I'm out the door. And so he asks this question and then he leaves. And his, his statement to Jesus is that he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that, that Jesus is claiming to be the truth. And it, if you're after the truth, you, you believe in him and, and you believe in him and, and, and no one else. And Pilate says, truth, what is it? But he doesn't really care. And, and that is a fascinating statement because, as I said earlier, Pilate's whole job in this trial is to do what? To find the truth. But he's not concerned about that. And so he goes, he goes back outside to the crowds and we move to the, the last portion of, of this trial and we see in our last point an, an incredible conclusion to this. And when I was writing my sermon and writing notes, when I thought about making this, this fourth point an improbable conclusion rather than an incredible conclusion. And I thought improbable because we see this innocent, sinless Lamb of God being convicted. And, and we think from a human standpoint that this, this is a, a tragic thing. We think, how could this be? And, and, and we have seen in trials in our own day incredible results from a verdicts that, that we didn't expect, and, and yet they happen. And so I went from improbable to, to incredible because this work is under the sovereign hand of God. It's in one sense, it's improbable from a human perspective, but it's incredible from, from, from the perspective of God because He is carrying out His purpose and bringing the Son of God to the cross that He might be the Savior of His people. Verse 38 says, And He had said this, He went back outside to the Jews, and He told them, I find no guilt in Him. Now, Jesus is innocent, and Pilate knows it. He doesn't care about Jesus' claim to be the truth, but he knows that Jesus is not a threat to him. He knows that Jesus isn't guilty of what he's being accused of. And this is an incredible conclusion because Jesus should have been set free. There's no reason for him to die. And yet, we see in chapter 19, verse 1, that he's still headed to the cross. It says, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. I find no guilt in him, but he hasn't flogged. And we know that it continues because Jesus' destiny is secure. Even though Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent, Pilate, the very one conducting the trial who is supposed to be judging whether Jesus is guilty or innocent, knows that Jesus is innocent, and yet Jesus is still headed to be crucified even though he says, I find no guilt in him. And what this reveals is that even though Pilate knows that he is innocent, Jesus' destiny is secured. He's still going to the cross. And he is enduring, even though he's innocent, he's enduring the cross, the cross, 
You know, Hebrews says he endured the cross, what, scorning its shame. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's enduring this trial, this, this sham, this travesty of justice, and he's doing it for you and I. God's hand is, is in this. And even though Pilate knows he's innocent, Jesus is still headed to the cross. And that is what truly makes this incredible. You know, there, there are many books and stories and, and movies today that, that have this, have as their theme the innocent being unjustly convicted. Many stories that have the innocent being unjustly convicted. And one of my favorite movies is, is Shawshank Redemption, where Andy Dufresne is accused of killing his, murdering his wife, and he's innocent, and he goes to, to prison for that. And he says this, he says, I'm not, I didn't pull the trigger, but I'm still guilty. I drove my, my wife away from me. I pushed my wife away. I'm currently listening on, on Audible to the Count of Monte Cristo. Another story about an innocent man being wrongly convicted, a man who was framed and, and convicted, Edmond Dantes. But in both these stories, both of them, both Andy Dufresne and Edmond Dantes went against their will. They fought for their freedom. And both of them did everything in their power to be freed from the penalty, even to the point of escaping. And yet Jesus Christ is not only not guilty of the accusations, he is not guilty of anything. He has never done anything wrong. He is pure and innocent and perfect. And yet Pilate, and yet Pilate condemns him. And he suffers willingly. You know, from a human perspective, this is an improbable conclusion, but from a divine perspective, this is an incredible conclusion. Pilate, Pilate finds no guilt, and rather than just pardoning him, he looks to the crowd, and he, he looks to this angry mob, and as was his custom, that during the Passover he would release one of the prisoners, he goes out to this angry crowd. I'm not sure exactly why he does this. Maybe he thinks that, you know what, I'm going to pick this wicked sinner and Jesus Christ, and I'm going to offer it up to them. Clearly, they're going to want Jesus freed and not this wicked sinner. And so he brings this to them. So there's this man named Barabbas, and, and according to John and the other Gospels, he's a robber and an insurrectionist and a murderer. And Matthew says he was a notorious prisoner. So he's famous for for all the bad that he had done. And you have Jesus Christ, who is famous for being innocent. In verse 39, the second half says, So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. It's an incredible conclusion. 
Whatever Pilate's plan was in giving them their choice, it doesn't seem that it worked. And they call for the release of Barabbas. And on a human level, it it just doesn't make sense. And yet it all happens because, because Jesus is headed to the cross. This guilty, notorious prisoner, murderer, and robber is set free, and the innocent, spotless lamb is condemned. And we think, how horrible this is. How could this guilty, vile sinner go free while the innocent be condemned? But brothers and sisters, we are the guilty, the vile, and the sinners. And we go free because the innocent was condemned. What an incredible, incredible conclusion. In many ways we can't, we can't understand it. We are more like Barabbas than we are Jesus Christ. We are murderers and adulterers at heart. Man of Sorrows, the song that we're going to sing, says this. It says, Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was He. Full redemption can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for sending your one and only son. And through his, through his passion to redeem his people, Lord, we thank you that he was willing to suffer unjustly for us, that we might be forgiven. Lord, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your Son. In his name we pray, amen.